Eight million border crossings, war in the Middle East, Ukraine, China, Russia, Iran, political infighting, high inflation. We are facing unprecedented times and the status quo just doesn't work anymore. It's time to get your house in order. Planning for the future needs to be done now. If you've been thinking about diversifying your portfolio and adding some financial protection, you should consider gold. Gold has often been used to protect assets against inflation. Countries are buying massive amounts of gold as a hedge against market collapse. LearnAboutGold.com is a simple platform to help you better understand the need for gold in your 401k or keeping gold on hand during these unprecedented times. Visit LearnAboutGold.com and take our gold quiz to see if you qualify for up to $2,500 in free gold. Our website has extensive educational resources that can help guide you along the path of precious metals investing. That's LearnAboutGold.com. 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 As last night's debate made clear, the Democrat Party is now divided between socialists and moderates. The socialists believe the government should immediately take over the means of production so that there's no competition or responsibility and people advance through bribing government officials while producing undesirable goods until no wealth is being created. The economy collapses and people end up roasting their children over garbage fires for food while tyrannical lunatics enriched by embezzled millions drive around in limousines wearing military uniforms they never earned and randomly choosing which citizens should be shot so everyone is too terrified to point out that the system has utterly failed at every level. The moderates believe this program should be phased in more gradually. The socialists are pushing such ideas as the Green New Deal, which would ban the development of the fossil fuels now used to create gasoline, heating oil, tires, clothes, deodorant, refrigerators, dishwashers, telephones, and toilets. Under the Green New Deal, instead of making those from petroleum, they would be created via solar energy by, for instance, planting refrigerator seeds and waiting for the refrigerators to grow naturally so that you'll have somewhere to store your leftover children and can eat them later. The moderate Democrats believe in using the words Green New Deal and hoping no one realizes what they mean so they can win elections, and then pass laws called the Green New Deal that will allow the government to take over the means of production so that the economy collapses and people end up roasting their children and saving the leftovers in naturally grown refrigerators. Among the presidential candidates, the radicals are represented by Bernie Sanders, an 80-year-old man who hasn't changed his mind about anything since 1953 when he went into shock because the Rosenbergs were executed. The moderates are represented by Pete Buttigieg, who became a deeply committed Christian after erasing every occurrence of the words shall not from his copy of the Bible. In between the radicals and moderates is Mike Bloomberg, who's actually a Republican billionaire, only shorter. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! Wow, some debate, right? <laughs> so how, how stupid... Are the Democrats, they got so ticked off at Mike Bloomberg, they forgot to attack the front runner at the debate last night. They just can't stand Mike because he has so much money. What do Democrats have against money? Anyway, they never have a good word to say about it. They think billionaire is an insult. It's almost like they have no idea what money is or how it works or what it does, which is actually kind of disturbing since Democrats, A, want to be in government and B, think the government should have control over what happens to your money. 
It seems like a recipe for low growth and underemployment or the Obama administration, as it's also sometimes known. Money is not a thing in itself, and it's not a story we just made up. It's a symbol. It's a way of representing value, what things are worth. What is a pair of shoes worth? What is a pair of shoes worth when it's warm or cold? What's it worth when it's made by a popular designer? These are questions that have actual answers, but they're not material answers. They're answers generated by the inner experience of millions of human beings, and they can only be calculated by an insanely complex computer called the free market. I sell you a pair of shoes and find out what it's worth to you. And then I do that over and over and over again. And that's the value of the shoes. And we symbolize that value with money. The free market computer works great unless you mess with it. If you limit the number of shoes I can produce or demand I sell the shoes at a certain price or insist that everyone has a right to shoes, whether they pay for them or not, then the computer breaks and it becomes impossible to tell the value of anything. Then the value has to be randomly imposed by people who think they know the value, but who actually know absolutely nothing. Or Democrats, as they're sometimes called. There is nothing bad about money, as long as you treat it as the symbol it is. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon, and the word mammon does mean money in Hebrew, but since the New Testament comes to us in Greek, it seems more likely the word mammon was being used to imply money as an object of worship. That's the sin of idolatry, which involves mistaking the symbols of things for the things themselves, like when you mistake an idol for a god. But if you understand that money is just a symbol, then you understand that free markets simply calculate value and as such, they give power to ordinary people to express what they think things are worth. This encourages creators to create stuff people want, which creates more value represented by more money. That's why free markets make societies so rich like ours. Oh, and I think we may have answered the original question. Why do Democrats hate money? Democrats who call ordinary people deplorable. Democrats who want to destroy every system that gives power to the individual rather than the government. They hate money because money symbolizes the value judgments of you, we, the people. Answer the question. All right, we're going to talk about the debate, and then we're going to talk more about the debate because it was quite a debate. But first, let's talk about my beautiful watch. Let's just admire my watch for a minute. The important thing about a watch is not only should it make you look good, it should make other people feel bad about themselves. And you can do that for on the cheap with a Vincero watch. Vincero, you go over to vincerowatches.com slash Clavin, and you can check out my personal favorite picks and take a look and find your own personal favorites and get a special discount while you shop if you use the code Clavin. No matter who you are, what your job is, how old you are, or where you live, there will always be an occasion when you want to look your best, whatever, for dates or interviews, weddings, nights out here in Hollywood. You just have to do it or they actually throw you out of the city. So, so you just want to look good. A watch, a watch actually is a status symbol. There was just a big article about this in the Wall Street Journal. And, you know, if you can't, you know, you don't want to pay a billion dollars for just a status symbol. Just get one from Vincero that looks good. Get the year started right. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O Watches. Dot com forward slash Clavin. Use my code Clavin for a discount at checkout. Don't pay full price for these beautiful timepieces. Use my code Clavin at checkout, and you can look at your watch and think, how do I spell Clavin? I was just about to say that. That's amazing. That's you read my mind. There are no E's in Clavin. I just make it look this incredibly easy. 
last day before the Clavenless weekend. So you want to sit by your device and suck up all the Clavenly goodness you can. And then you want to go over to Amazon and pre-order The Nightmare Feast Book 2 in the trilogy of Another Kingdom. Please pre-order it because it moves up on the Amazon numbers, which helps me out tremendously. So that was some debate. It really was. And the lesson of the debate is you can't buy elections. That's the lesson of the debate. Mike Bloomberg has been pouring, I think he's poured so far $400 million and he's going up to $600 million in ads. So every ad, I thought I thought it was watching the debate. I thought oh, the, all the ads will be Mike Bloomberg ads. I mean, everybody has seen a Mike Bloomberg ad. But when you show up, if you don't, he hasn't been shaking hands with the people. He hasn't been fighting with the other candidates. You know, when you show up, you got to be prepared. I want to take a look back before we get into the debate itself. I want to take a look back at Mike Bloomberg. Uh, I think this is 2012, talking about the idea that Donald Trump might get into the race with George Stephanopoulos. Let's cut one. I know you've taken yourself out of the 2012 presidential yes. race, but another New Yorker may be getting in, Donald Trump. What do you think? Uh, America's a wonderful country. Everybody <laughs> that's born here and is over 35 has the opportunity. I know Donald Trump. He's a great guy. He he doesn't do everything he says, but he sure tries, and I'm a big fan of Donald Trump. Think he's going to run? Uh, I have no idea. You'll have to ask Donald <laughs> Trump. <laughs> so... The debate when Bloomberg really did not look good. He really was not prepared. He was not prepared for the firestorm and the, you know, the un, the stuff they unleashed on him. Trump tweets, mini Mike Bloomberg's debate performance tonight was perhaps the worst in the history of debates. This is the usual Trump understatement. He loves to like kind of understate things so you you can figure out what he's saying himself. He says, but there have been some really bad. He says it's the worst in the history of debates, and there have been some really bad ones. He was stumbling, bumbling, and grossly incompetent. If this doesn't knock him out of the race, nothing will. Not so easy to do what I did. And clearly thinking, I mean, he was just chuckling, chuckling at Donald Trump because, oh, anybody is a wonderful country because anybody can run. You know, a lot of people said after they saw this debate, a lot of people said Bloomberg should have fired the people who suggested that he get in the debate because the debate is right before the Nevada uh, caucuses and he's not going to be in the Nevada caucuses. So he had nothing to win. But I just don't agree with this. I don't think if you can get into a debate, I don't think you can back out of it because the people just look at you and say, wait, you know, you're buying my vote. You're going to put all this stuff uh, on TV, but you're not going to show up and debate and argue about ideas and argue about the things. Let me see who you are. Let me see what it's going to be like when you go up against other people who like you even less than these people like, you know, Vladimir Putin. You got to show up. You got to show up. Donald Trump showed up. Donald Trump won debates against Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump thumped the other candidates who, yeah, were professional politicians, who were some of them much, much, much more versed in law and the Constitution than he was. And he thumped them and he came up and he showed up. It was not so easy to do what he did. It wasn't just the money, which also underlines the fact that almost every word out of Bernie Sanders' mouth is false. You can't really buy an election. And that's the thing. Bernie loves to, he's a leftist. He loves to show himself as a victim. Oh, the establishment hates me. Oh, the billionaires are coming after me. Oh, the the Democrat Party is cheating me. You know, you got to win an election. And right now, he's looking pretty good because of what happened last night. That is the thing. We'll talk about who won but first, we're going to take a look at what actually happened because it was pretty, pretty exciting. So, so Mike shows up and, you know, Mike was six foot two when he walked into this uh, debate. And by the end of it, he was five foot four because Focahontas showed up with her tomahawk and cut him. Focahontas to is not happy. <laughs> cut four. 
I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. <laughs> Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support who whoever the Democratic nominee is. But understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. This country has worked for the rich for a long time and left everyone else in the dirt. It is time to have a president who will be on the side of working families and be willing to get out there and fight for them. That is why I am in this race, and that is how I will beat Donald Trump. Look at her cheekbone. <laughs> you know, never mind her cheekbone. I, I think it was unfair for her to pick on somebody who was smaller than she is. And I, that, that was that was brutal. I mean, that was brutal. And he stood there. You know, Bloomberg just didn't he didn't know what to do. You know, you got to you got to laugh this stuff off. You got to come back with some uh, remarks. You got to do something. You can't just stand there and get slapped around uh, and, and just and look like, oh, I don't I don't like this experience. I mean, people were people who were watching it were tweeting that it was making them uncomfortable. And then remember, who was this guy? I uh, can't remember. Joe something. Joe Biden, Hyden, whatever it is. He's gone. He's done. But he tried to get into the act as well. And he went after, you know, the thing on Bloomberg, just so you know, in case you haven't heard, is he is rumored to have said all these things to all these women and treated them, made, they say he made a hostile workplace by flirting with them. If a woman showed up, one woman says she showed up and told him uh, she was pregnant and he said, well, kill it. So, so this is just not, not a guy who made a lot of friends, but he made them all sign these non-disclosure agreements, right? And so Joe Biden went after him for this. We talk about, we talk about transparency here. This guy got himself in trouble and they begin saying that he would, there was a non, he couldn't disclose what he did. He went to his company. Just to be super clear, that was about the list of clients. No, 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 said he went to the company and said I want to be released I want to be able to do it look this is about transparency from the very beginning whether it's your health record whether it's your taxes whether it's whether you have cases against you whether or not people have signed non-disclosure agreements you think that women in fact were ready to say I don't want anybody to know about what you did to me that's not how it works the way it works is they say look this is what you did to me and the mayor comes along and his attorney say I will give you this amount of money if you promise you'll never say anything. That's how it works. Mayor Bloomberg, final word to you. I said we're not going to get to end these agreements because they were made consensually. You're a lion dog-faced <laughs> pony soldier. <laughs> a consensual NDA. I told her to shut up, and she consented. <laughs> it's like not good, not good for uh, Mike Bloomberg. Uh, he really did not look great. But mostly, you know, that, that was really embarrassing for him, but mostly... It's the money. These guys, the Democrats hate money and they think billionaires are bad. Here's cut five. Here is Bernie Sanders, who, by the way, is a communist, doesn't like the money. We have a grotesque and immoral distribution of wealth and income. Mike Bloomberg owns more wealth than the bottom 125 million Americans. That's wrong. That's immoral. That should not be the case when we got a half a million people sleeping out on the street, where we have kids who cannot afford to go to college. 
When we have 45 million people dealing with student debt, we have enormous problems facing this country. And we cannot continue seeing a situation where in the last three years, billionaires in this country saw an $850 billion increase in their wealth. Congratulations, Mr. Bloomberg. But the average American last year saw less than a 1% increase in his or her income. That's wrong. Mayor Bloomberg, should you exist? I can't speak for all billionaires. All I know is I've been very lucky. (laughs) <laughs> very lucky. He says he's worked hard. One of the things that's really interesting about this, by the way, is just that there's no one there because all the moderators are left wing because Chuck Todd, I mean, Chuck Todd is basically a Democrat spokesman. Uh, Lester Holt, these are all guys who are in the pocket of the Democrat Party. There's nobody there to challenge the underlying assumptions. And this is something I notice in all Democrat debates. He says we have an obscene, Bernie says we have an obscene distribution of wealth. Who does he think distributes the wealth? You know, that word distribution of wealth, who does he think is doling out the wealth? It's nobody is doling out the wealth. Listen, it's not like we have an entirely free market. We have a problem with crony capitalism in this system, and crony capitalism is what brings capitalism down. It is why socialism looks good to people, because things don't look fair. And that is true in this country. We need less government interference, so there's less government power, so there's less uh, worth in having a crony in the government. That is what crony, how crony capitalism grows up. But it's not, we're still not at a place where wealth is being distributed. You know, people do things that make them rich. And, and if you're going to be envious of that, then you're going to be envious, you know, then you're not going to th- be thinking about what you can do to get a little more for yourself. So you have enough. So you have enough money. However, however, Mike did make a little bit of a strike back here. This is cut number three when he went after Bernie. What a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax tax haven do you have your home? New York City, thank you very much. And I pay all my taxes. And I'm happy to do it because I get something for it. And let me say, I thought the senator next to me was half right. I agree we should raise taxes on the... I disagree with the senator on the wealth tax, but I do agree with her that the rich aren't paying their fair share. We should raise taxes on the rich. I did that as mayor in New York City. I raised taxes. And if you take a look at my plans, the first thing I would do is try to convince Congress, because they've got to do it. We can't just order it. Money Money fight. (laughs) 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 It's too bad they didn't actually do that. But if if you could see, if you're not just listening to this, if you happen to watch it, the look in Bloomberg's eyes is that deer in the headlights look, and it is not at all pretty. Let's play one more cut. This is cut number 21, where they go after each other on the question of capitalism itself. Cut 21. Mr. Bloomberg, wasn't you who made all that money. Maybe your workers played some role in that as well. And it is important that those workers are able to share the benefits. Also, when we have so many people who go to work every day, And they feel not good about their jobs. They feel like cogs in a machine. I want workers to be able to sit on corporate boards as well so they can have some say over what happens to their lives. Mayor Bloomberg, you own a large company. Would you support what Senator Sanders is proposing? Absolutely not. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. (laughs) It's ridiculous. 
We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. He's like Bernie going, ooh, he's absolutely right. He is absolutely right. And once again, when he says they're going to put workers on the boards of companies, who's going to do that? The government is going to force companies to tell, is going to tell companies who should be on their board. That was Obama's plan, too. It is a bad thing. It is the one thing that companies do not need is some compliance officer from the government sitting in on their boards making decisions. This is destructive, and, and Bloomberg's right about this. Anyway, we're going to take a look. It really became an open melee. We'll take a look at some of the rest of the fighting, but first, let me talk about LifeLock, which is working away on my computer right in front of you as we speak. Because I don't want people stealing all my stuff. I don't want them coming in and taking my identity. And if they do take my identity, I know I'm going to need somebody to help me uh, get it back and help me put things back together. And that is what LifeLock does during tax season, especially your personal info, your name, your social security number can be emailed and shared more than usual. And criminals can steal that information from your devices, sell it on the dark web and use it to commit identity theft. You need LifeLock, the number one most recognized brand in identity theft protection. LifeLock monitors for uses of your personal info, alerts you to possible suspicious activity. And if you become a victim of identity theft, here's the big one, a dedicated identity Identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but having LifeLock means one less thing to stress about during tax season. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to LifeLock.com slash Clavin. That's LifeLock.com slash Clavin for 25% off. And then you have to go on the dark web to find out how do you spell Clavin? There are no easy there are no E's in claiming this. K-L-A-V-A-N. So Mike did make his one big argument, which is the argument that he can win. And this is the argument, obviously, that he is, is running on. This is cut 17. I don't think there's any chance of uh, the senator beating President Trump. You don't start out by saying, uh, I've got 160 million people. I'm going to take away the insurance plan that they love. That's just not a ways that you go and start building the coalition that the Sanders camp thinks that they can do. I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. And if he goes and is the candidate, we will have Donald Trump for another four years, and we can't stand that. Mini Mike is a five foot four inch mass of dead energy. <laughs> he does look like that, too. I mean, this, this is really an interesting, it really is an interesting thing because he did I mean, if anybody ever tried to buy an election, it's, it's been Bloomberg so far. I, I, think, I think he's the one guy who could have this charge leveled against him. They were always after Trump about this. Oh, he's a billionaire. He's buying an election. Dark money. And they were always talking about Citizens United. Remember Hillary Clinton? That it was, that's that court decision that allowed them to put out a documentary against Hillary Clinton. She never forgave them. The idea that the Constitution suggests that you can uh, attack Hillary Clinton was so offensive to her that she became obsessed with getting becoming president. So she could, just so she could appoint Supreme Court uh, judges who would overturn Citizens United, which basically just protected free speech. Really uh, fascinating. But Donald Trump spent half the money that Hillary Clinton spent. I mean, this is the thing. Donald Trump ran a homegrown campaign. Mike Bloomberg, in a lot of ways, is who Donald Trump pretends to be. I don't think uh, Donald Trump has anywhere near $60 billion. If you have $60 billion, 
you have all the dollars. If you have $60 billion, you are never going broke. That's never happening. You cannot, you know, I don't, I don't know what you could do. You could buy all the houses. You can buy everything with $60 billion. And that's essentially what he tried to do. He put it out there on, he put out the ads on television. He offered to pay people. He offered to pay people in California if we just tweeted something nice about him. So, so I, yesterday I tweeted, uh, I think he was offering like, what it was? It was like 2,500 bucks. It was good money to say something nice. So I tweeted out, uh, he's not as short as he looks. Uh, <laughs> but I haven't received my check. So he is a guy who's actually trying to buy the election. But when you looked at him, he really was not prepared for what was coming down the pike. His people didn't prepare him. He hasn't. He obviously hasn't been in this situation as uh, running for mayor of New York. He was in a couple of debates, but it was nothing like this. These are people who want the big prize and they mean to get it and they're going to run over you if they can. So the, on the question of Bernie Sanders winning, which we will return to, because it is the question, it is the question, I thought Lester Holt had this interesting exchange. This is cut number two. Senator Sanders, our latest NBC News Wall Street Journal poll released yesterday, two-thirds of all voters said they were uncomfortable with a socialist candidate for president. What do you say to those voters, sir? What was the result of that poll? Who was winning? The question's, question's to you. Well, the question was that I was winning, and I think by a fairly comfortable margin. Mike mentioned that. <laughs> so, so his argument, his argument is in the poll. The poll says people, the poll does say people will vote, uh, will not vote for a socialist. That, that is what the polls are saying. People will not vote for a socialist. They do not like that word. They don't like the idea. You know, all this argument that, that like the army is socialism. This is the stupid Bill Maher argument that anything the government does is socialism. No, socialism is actually with government take over the means of production. Now, uh, Bernie keeps saying, no, 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 we're not doing that socialism. We're doing the Denmark. You know, I, I talked to a guy from Denmark. He actually said this. I talked to a guy from Denmark and he said, you can't get rich there, but you can't get poor. And that sounds like a good idea to me. The, the prime minister of Denmark, this is true. He was speaking at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. Uh, the prime minister, Lars Lok Rasmussen, said uh, that he was aware that, quote, some people in the U.S. associate the Nordic model with some sort of socialism. I would like to make one thing clear. Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy. That is not what Bernie's talking about. Listen to the way he talks. He talks about the way wealth is distributed. He talks about workers are going to be in the boardroom. Who's going to put them there if the company doesn't put them there? The government. The government is going to say you have to put a, um, a worker in the corporation. That is that, that is really almost closer to fascism where you get to keep your company, but the government tells you how to run it. But it's still, he is t looking at a socialist model. And, that, and it is just true that uh, that that may go over with the people at that debate who are applauding him for that. That may go over with the Democrat base. But in the long run, you're going to have to face the people. You're going to have to face all the people. You know, if anybody can make the argument for it, Bernie can. He's a good candidate. He's a good politician. You know, he does he does what he is. He's not a good senator. He doesn't. He's never accomplished anything. I think he named a post office once. He's never. No wonder he's so angry. You know, <laughs> he's so angry because he's never gotten anything done. And you know, look, there's reason to have hope that even if he won the election. God forbid. But even if he won the election, there's reason to hope that the system would slow him down. It, it didn't slow down Obama. Obama just went around the system, just went around the Constitution. And the press just sat there with those goofy looks on their faces and didn't wake up and come back to doing journalism until they saw Donald Trump coming down the pike. So here's Pete Buttigieg. He tried to get in there. Actually, I, I want to talk about Buttigieg and Klobuchar because I think they really, that was really a dramatic moment. But here's Pete Buttigieg talking about the candidates and why he he's Alfred E. Newman is the guy who needs to be in there. It's cut 18. 
We could wake up two weeks from today, the day after Super Tuesday, and the only candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. And most Americans don't see where they fit if they've got to choose between a socialist who thinks that capitalism is the root of all evil and a billionaire who thinks that money ought to be the the root of all power. (laughs) That doesn't really play. But the thing was, I think that Buttigieg and Klobuchar really destroyed themselves. They were the ones who were supposed to be, they're the ones who the press keeps selling to us as the moderates. They're the moderates because they, you know, a lot of, a lot of Democrat politics, maybe a lot of all politics to be fair, but Democrat politics especially is done with the eyes. It's like sex for men. Sex for men lives in the eyes and what they see. And it's what people look like. And that's why Liz Warren is doing all this thing like, honey, you want a beer? And, you know, Andrew Yang and, and Beto were skateboarding and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing, but look at this skateboarding. You know, they're constantly saying, putting forward these incredible radical policies. Yeah, we're going to have the Green New Deal. We're not going to have fossil fuels anymore. You're not going to be able to build anything or move anywhere. Only the rich will be able to take airplanes. Uh, cows won't be able to have, have gas. But look at me skateboard. Look at this. This is great, isn't it? Honey, you want a beer? You know, that's the way they sell this. So these two people look a little bit more moderate than this crazy Jewish guy from Brooklyn throwing his hands around and talking about things that people have stopped talking about in the 1950s because Mike is right. They didn't work. So they stopped talking about him, but not Bernie. Bernie is going to, he's going to get that Soviet America if he can get it. So he's still in there. So they, they basically are saying these are the moderates because they look like the moderates. Well, they got into it. Uh, Amy Klobuchar in an interview forgot the name or maybe never knew the name of the president of Mexico. Now I got to be honest. I hate stuff like this. I can never remember anybody's name. You know, that's that's why I call my wife Honey, because I have no idea. I haven't known her name for the last 30 years. She uh, Maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. But Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. But, no, you know, people forget names. They're out there all the time. I hate this kind of get gotcha politics, but she forgot the name of Mexico and of uh, the president of Mexico. And Buttigieg goes after her. And here's their exchange. But you're staking your candidacy on your Washington experience. You're on the committee that oversees border security. You're on the committee that does trade. You're literally in uh, part of the committee that's overseeing these things. And we're not able to speak to literally the first thing about the politics of the country to ourselves. Are you trying to say that I'm dumb or are you mocking me here, Pete? I'm saying that you shouldn't trivialize I made an error. People sometimes forget names. He's basically saying that I don't have the experience to be president of the United States. I have passed over 100 bills as a lead Democrat since being in the U.S. Senate. I am the one, not you, that has won statewide in congressional district after congressional district. And I will say, when you tried in Indiana, Pete, to run, what happened to you? You lost by over 20 points to someone who later lost to my friend Joe Donnelly. So don't tell me about experience. I, I thought that made them both look really bad. I mean, I thought it really didn't. It made them look small and um, kind of just out of it. I think that the people who came out of this looking good, obviously, Joe Biden was like nowhere to be seen. He kind of made a couple of fussy marks, but he can barely speak anymore. I think he's just done. I think Bernie really was the winner of this uh, debate. He was by far the winner of this debate. And I'll talk about why in a minute, because nobody was attacking Bernie. Everybody went after 
uh, Mike. They were waiting for him, and he really got beaten up. He'll have a chance to come back. He's not done yet. He's not done yet, but he's the one who took it on the chin, and Bernie got away scot-free. All right, paint your life. Ah, you know, I wish I had gotten up. Now I'm wired into this chair, so I can't get up, and I can't show you the wonderful painting, but it's so, so nice that I actually keep it in here on the shelf, the painting that I got from Paint Your Life. I got them to... Uh, I send them a picture, and they had an actual painter. This is not something that's done by machine. They had an actual painter paint, turn that photograph into a portrait, and it really looks nice. And the only reason I don't have it at home is because my wife, what's her name, would throw things at it. But aside from, that, aside from that, it really is great. You can have an original painting of yourself or your children, your family, a special place, a cherished pet, at a price you can afford from paintyourlife.com. It's a true painting, as I said, done by hand by a world-class artist, and you get to consult with them along the way and find out what they're doing, and it really helps you choose the artist uh, whose work you most admire. You look at them, you work with them throughout the process until every day detail is just the way you want it. And right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 30% off your painting. That's right, 30% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Andrew to 64,000. That's Andrew to 64,000. Text A-N-D-R-E-W to 64,000. If you are not quite sold on a Daily Wire membership yet, Give us a shot with the Reader's Pass. A Reader's Pass will enable you news junkies to read our articles ad-free, including all of Ben Shapiro's op-eds, which are exclusive for Daily Wire members only. Plus, you get access to the mobile app, which is terrific. You can read all of our stories, receive push notifications for breaking news and special content when you want to stay up to date and you're on the go. This membership tier is already a bargain at three bucks a month, but right now we're offering one month for 99 cents. That's mobile, ad-free access to all of the Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds from Ben, and breaking news and updates on our mobile app, all for the low price of one buckaroo. So get a reader's pass today and join the Daily Wire community. Come over to dailywire.com and subscribe, and we will talk some more in just a second. So if this debate proved nothing else about Mike Bloomberg or about any candidate, it's that you've got to be in the ring to win the fight, right? You've got to fight and, and you've got to be up against your enemies. And one of the things about the Democrats is they're never in the ring because of the press. And the, they listen, Chuck Todd is one of your debate moderators. I just hope that Donald Trump is strong enough to insist that somebody, Brett Baer, a fair, a fair but not left wing news person is at the debates in the general election, Brett Baer, Brett Hume, somebody like that who is not all on one side because it is just appalling. I just want to show you a clip of Chuck Todd. This is Chuck Todd before the debate. Is cut 15. Do you believe this primary campaign would be better served for the eventual nominee if everybody unloaded everything they got on each other and you see who came out? Or do you think it's better to not attack each other and somehow hope that unity prevails on the Democratic side and that this oppo doesn't stick in the fall. Are you at all concerned, there's some, whether it's tonight or over the next couple of weeks, that this is going to get super nasty? So he's discussing strategy. This is Chuck Todd discussing whether they should pull punches at the debate because he doesn't want to see his Democrats fighting with each other. And he's the guy asking the questions. He even asked at one point, I can't remember, I think it was Buttigieg, he asked, uh, do you feel out of place not calling yourself a socialist? I mean, this is a guy who basically wants Democrats to win, hates Donald Trump, is a Democrat spokesman. His ratings are garbage. I think NBC is thinking of getting rid of him. You know, 
that's who they talk to. So they are Mike. They're all Mike Bloomberg in a way because they're these. This is like patty cake. If they get somebody who's going to ask them real questions and ask them about their underlying assumptions, who's going to appoint these workers into the board, uh, into the boardroom of businesses? Who's going to distribute this wealth? Who is going to redistribute this wealth? The best take on the debate, and I just thought this was a- absolutely the right thing to say. A lot of people, not many people said this, but this was, I thought, the right thing to say was from Paul Begala, who's the former Clinton aide. This is cut number 10. Uh, he was just appalled. I don't know if we'll ever see a debate again where the front runner does not bear the brunt of the attacks. This is, and it's a burden I bear. This is what I predicted yesterday. You should change the Chiron below me to the amazing Kreskin. We remember. Uh, because, but it was obvious. That's why I saw it. Uh, it, it this was a gift to Bernie Sanders. Uh, it was a rough night for Mike Bloomberg. Man, Elizabeth Warren just gutted him like a flounder on Long Island Sound. It was rough for him. But Bernie, th- th- we're, we are two days away from the voting in Nevada, and they attacked a guy who's not on the ballot in Nevada. Uh, it's it was, I thought, tactically really dumb for the Democrats. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not for any of these particular candidates. And Bloomberg, uh, really, I thought, performed terribly. I thought Senator Warren really just clocked him. But Bernie is the front runner. Bernie is very likely to win in Nevada. This was your one chance, uh, other Democrats competing against Bernie, to stop him from winning Nevada. And I, I think they missed that chance. So Bernie, the big winner. And then, of course, strategically, Donald Trump's got to be happy with the Democratic demolition derby. That that see that is a really smart point, and a lot of people didn't catch that. That these things take place in time. That if Bloomberg, Bloomberg had surged in the polls, so they got afraid of him, and they and they were annoyed at the fact that he surged in the polls the way he did, buying all up up all this uh, communications real estate in anticipation of March third, which is Super Tuesday. That's the strategy. That's the. Uh, that's the Mike Bloomberg strategy. I've talked about the fact that I think that strategy almost never works. It almost never works. I mean, sometimes a dark horse can come in late when all the other candidates have left each other bloody on the field. Sometimes, occasionally, a dark horse can come in late. But normally, you've got to be in it to win it. And here's the, I mean, let's just take one quick look at uh, Van Jones discussing what happened to Bloomberg. That is cut 12. This was a disaster uh, for Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg went in as the Titanic, billion-dollar machine Titanic. Titanic meet iceberg Elizabeth Warren. She (laughs) took him to task in a way that I've never seen in a debate. She she took took it over. She prosecuted him. But the worst part about it is, for me, a lot of African Americans are placing great hope in Bloomberg. Despite the, the stop and frisk and all that sort of stuff, you're seeing people trying to move over there. And he just wasn't ready. He was tone deaf on issue after issue. And the reason why, he's not been in those living rooms. He hasn't been doing those town halls. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. Turbo, attacking people for, oh, I have too much money for turbo TurboTax? This is a great answer. A lot of people watching use TurboTax. Mm-hmm. Uh, his answer on women was terrible. He got completely destroyed on the NDA question. His answer on stop and frisk was as bad as it could possibly be. See, this, this is the thing. You know, the, the answer on TurboTax, he was asked why he wasn't releasing his tax returns. And this is a big deal because Donald Trump hasn't released his tax returns. And he said, look, I'm a, a rich guy. I can't just go on TurboTax. And everybody saw that as disdainful. But compare the disdain, compare the disdain 
of Mike Bloomberg billionaire. And he is disdainful. This is his worst ca- character trait. He's contemptuous of other people. He really does not think of other people as people who should be making choices. He likes capitalism because it works and because it works for him. But he doesn't like capitalism for the moral reason, which is that it sets people free to be their best selves. That's the whole reason thing about capitalism. And capitalism isn't great because everybody gets rich. Capitalism is great because everybody's free and everybody gets rich because they're free, right? But compare the contemptuous attitude of Mike Bloomberg to Donald Trump, who gets up and brags about his money. Now, you may say that's disgusting, bragging about your money. Okay, fair enough. It's disgusting, but it's normal, right? It makes you one of the people. Like if you say, if you say, yeah, I'm rich, I got a lot of money. That's the way I would feel if I had that much money. If I had a billion dollars, I would feel, whoa, you know, I'd be like Scrooge McDuck. I'd have it all in gold coins and I'd come down a slide and it'd be my bathtub and I'd just like splash into my gold coins. That's the way Donald Trump behaves because because he does have some sense of the people. It is weird. It is weird that this elite billionaire should have some sense of the people. But, you know, you remember, I always talk about the greatest moment in his presidency was the moment that Marine's cap blew off. And without thinking about it, Trump went and fetched the cap. President Trump went and fetched the cap of the Marine and put it back on his head. You can't imagine Barack Obama doing that. Or if you did, it would be because he thought about it and thought it would look good. Trump does these things naturally. And so these, you know, when Trump tweeted to Bloomberg, it's not so easy to do what I did. He wasn't kidding. So the left, i.e. the press, took a look at this and they are in a panic. Here is the, the reactions over at MSNBC's Cut 13. It was a great night for Bernie Sanders. I thought it was a great night for Donald Trump. I thought it was a terrible night for the Democrats. And I don't think uh, Bloomberg's bad night is going to matter, given the amount of money he's spending on the ground, given the fact that a lot of voters uh, who are going to matter later are not really watching debates. They have his presence on Facebook and on the ground. Anecdotally, I cannot believe what I'm hearing about the money he's spending in all the right places with food and other things, meetings, not just those digital ads on social media. So I think he will still be um, in very strong stead uh, throughout the very consequential month of March. Tonight was the night to knock down Bernie and the Democrats didn't do it. Pete Buttigieg tried a few minutes. Uh, but not effectively enough. Jason, it's going to be argued capitalism didn't have a great outing tonight. Uh, yeah, apparently, apparently, but Bernie's still a millionaire. You know, isn't that amazing? America's biggest socialist is a millionaire. <laughs> so, so this is, that's A.B. Stott. The woman was A.B. Stott. She's a very smart lady. And she was, she was making a very good point. Uh, I think, I think she is 75% right about Mike Bloomberg. I think he did take a hit. People read the news. People know what happened. Uh, but I didn't think, I don't think it's going to bring him down. I'm not sure it's because of the money, but I think it's because he's still a more attractive candidate to the general public than uh, than Bernie Sanders is. Let's just take one look, though, before the debate. This is Chris Matthews before the debate. Why the news, why the news media is in a panic. This is a preview of coming attractions, these people. Uh, He says he can't control them, but I think he's going to be called to account by the other candidates because they seem to have a hesitancy or a fear of going after his ideology, uh, going after his uh, self-declared socialism, or even about the doability of all the things he says he's going to do in a a Congress that's split right now. Everybody knows half the U.S. Senate's run by Republicans. It'll be half run by Republicans next time. 
and it takes 60 votes to get any of this stuff through. And yet nobody just says the obvious. Bernie, you're full of it. None of this is going to get passed. You're going to be a miserable president, frustrated from the first day because you're not going to get Medicare for all. You're not going to get free college tuition for public universities. You're not going to get payoffs of all student loans. None of this is going to happen. And you're just going to sit there and stew in it. So why don't they bring that up? I do not understand why they don't bring that up. <laughs> they don't bring it up because he's in the he's in the front runner. He looks like he's going to win this thing if he walks into Milwaukee with a plurality of the voters. He is going to be very very hard to stop. It won't happen like it did last time. All right, enough of that. Let's talk about one last thing. I got to play something by Samantha uh, B. Uh, this is a, a very different thing. Final reflection. She went after PragerU. Okay, this is amazing to me. Every single comedian on television, on the late night field, is anti-Trump. Every single one. If you are even semi-civilized to Trump, like Jimmy Fallon was, they eviscerate you. But she can't stand PragerU. Let's listen. PragerU is actually a massively successful part of a growing hub of the online right-wing media machine. They have been funded by GOP mega-donors, and their videos are specifically aimed at middle school and high school children. Even worse, those videos get billions of views. Meanwhile, my makeup tutorial videos are still stuck in the single digits. And all of those views are for me and one guy who keeps asking me to put makeup on my feet. Okay, like and subscribe. PragerU gets those views the same way a lot of YouTube channels do, by producing short, fun videos that are mostly hosted by the worst people. Now, to be fair, she does have a point. They are, some of these videos do have some really horrible people. Here's a new one that has just come out. Uh, it's called The Great Books, and this one was about Hamlet. Why is it the greatest play ever made? It's not only the greatest play ever written, it is a, a pinnacle of the human imagination. I mean, Newton's laws, the founding of America, uh, Plato, Aristotle, Hamlet, you know, these are seriously, these are things that you look at and think like, wow, that's what the human being can do. Uh, that's, he, that, she's right. Those are the worst people. But you want to tune in and find that. That's me and Knowles talking about Hamlet. It's only about 25 minutes. And people are really, I've got a really big reaction from this. People love it. I think it was a good talk, uh, even though it was with Knowles. And if you're really uh, interested in literature at all, uh, we, we had interesting, interesting things to say. Unfortunately, you better hurry because now the Clavenless weekend is upon you. Darkness closes over the land. Fires break out here and there. You hear wailing. There's gnashing of teeth. If you survive, we will be back again on Monday, but the chances are slim. If so, I will see you there. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. 
If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.